Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Part two of our conversation with Ed Werder in just a minute on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Burstick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on brand new quality train air conditioning units or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, Millionaire. Ed, there's one other player, uh, and I know you were close to a lot of them, of course, that you covered, not just with the Cowboys, but in the National Football League. But Brett Favre was such a big story uh, and has been, of course, uh, during much of your career until he finally retired. You have not, but uh, Brett retired, unretired, and all those things. He mentioned you in his <laughs> Hall of Fame speech. That's how much familiarity that, and how much time that you spent with Brett Favre, maybe standing outside and inside his house in Mississippi. Uh, what was what was Favre like? What was the relationship that you had with him? Yeah, he owed me, he owed me that for for all of the miserable days I spent in Mississippi covering his uh, on again off again career, and, and and I mentioned him when I won the McCann Award and was uh, had a brief speech at the uh, the Canton uh, ceremony That's two right. years ago. I mentioned Favre in the context of some of the great things that I covered. I covered all of you know Tom Brady, Joe Montana's Super Bowl wins. I covered you know Emmett Smith. Uh, winning the all-time NFL rushing title from Walter Payton. I covered the Cowboys winning three Super Bowls in four years, and I covered uh, all of Brett Favre's retirements. And there may have been more of those than any of the others. So uh, he owed me a mention. But that was very very kind of him, uh, and he did it in, in kind of his classic pithy way. And that's really what what I always admired the most about Favre, uh, you know, was his great, his great personality. He didn't take many things too seriously, uh, he was very generous with his time. Now, there's this perception that I got so close to Favre that, you know, he just, like, gave me everything. Well, that's not entirely true. All he gave me really was his time. Whenever I right. covered a game, whether it was with the Packers or the Vikings, and I asked, hey, I'm coming in, can I, you know, can I get a few minutes with Favre? I always went through the PR staff and, and did it the right way. Uh, and, and he was generous in that he would always meet with me like he did the, you know, the Fox or CBS crews that were producing the game. They have an obligation sure. to meet with them. Me, he didn't, but he, he accommodated those requests for me. And, I, and it got to the point uh, when he was with the Vikings that I would call, you know, Bob Hagan, the, the PR director with the Vikings, and say, hey, I'm covering a game this week. I need, I need some time with Favre on Friday. And he says, well, how much time do you need? And I said, well, I need 10 minutes, but you know it's going to be an hour and a half. And, and that was exactly. mostly because of Favre. Uh, because he's such a great storyteller and such a great personality. Uh, there's nobody I've covered uh, who resonated with me in that way. And, and the thing I liked beyond that about him was just kind of the simple joy he took from the game. There was an obvious love of the game. And I, I described it like, you know, the guy retired having thrown more touchdown passes than any quarterback in the history of football, but he reacted to every one of them 
like it was, he was a high school player and it was the first one that he had ever thrown. Uh, there was this, this genuine love of the game and sense of accomplishment that I, that I enjoyed, uh, with Favre. And, um, so yeah, I got, I had to cover, you know, him a lot. Um, I covered him at his high points and in, in his low moments. And uh, I covered him through, you know, all of the retirements and the, my two favorite Favre stories are the first one was they were going to play a Monday night game like in week six in, in his final year in green Bay. And I guess a stat had circulated that Favre had not completed any of the passes that he had thrown more than 20 yards down the field in the air. And well, there was nothing worse you could say about Favre as a football player than to question the strength of his arm because it's one of the best arms that pro football has ever seen. Uh, so Favre was asked at his weekly press conference about this, uh, the statistic, and, and Favre got the sense that his arm was being questioned. And so he said, hey, if any of you guys really think I've lost my fastball, you know, why don't you meet me out in the parking lot after practice? And so I was covering that Monday night game that week against the Broncos. And uh, I met with Favre, as I mentioned, I do before every game I covered. And I said, hey, let me ask you, did any of those writers who questioned your arm strength take you up on your offer to meet them in the parking lot that night after practice? And he says, no. He says, let me tell you something. I might have thrown out my arm. I might have ruined my career. But I would have killed one of those bleeps <laughs> with a football in the parking lot that night. And as luck would have it, and as Favre's career would mandate, uh, that game, on the first play of overtime, he throws an 80-yard touchdown pass to Greg Jennings. <laughs> to win the game of course uh so that's one of my all-time uh favorite far stories the other one was during this period of time where uh he was in he was out with the packers and he was offended by their reaction the fact that they weren't very enthusiastic about uh him coming back and he sensed that they were ready to make the transition to Aaron Rodgers. so uh he re- he announced his retirement and and he'll tell you uh, he's told me that when he was flying up to Green Bay for the press conference, he said, boy, you're making a big mistake because you ain't ready to go. But he kind of mm. felt like he had no alternative at that point. So he announces, he announces he's re- retiring, and then you know he decides he wants to act on this desire to continue playing, and so he tries to get the Packers to take him back, and, and they're you know refusing to do so. And so he, I do the series of live shots, I'd had dinner with him and Bus Cook in Mississippi, Indiana, before the night before I was covering him the next morning live from the Oak Grove High School where he was uh, the offensive coordinator and was working out. And so I had some insights from him that I was able to share with viewers. And the, I'm telling you, the second we got done our live shot, my phone rings and Farr says, I just got Goodell to reinstate me. I'm going in. In other words, almost a hostile takeover. He's going to get on a private plane now, and he's going to fly to Green Bay, and he's going to try to force his way back on the field and on the team when they're having their annual big scrimmage. That It's a big public event, and Favre's going to show up at this and, and try to force his way back onto the roster. And he's treated like yeah. a conquering hero at the airport at, you know, at Lambeau Field, Austin Strobel Airport, when his private plane lands. But he later tells me the minute he, he knew it was finally over, he said when he went to the locker room door and he punched in the security code, which had always been 1504, Stars jersey and Favre's jersey, and he pushed in 1504 and it didn't unlock. Mm. And I said, well, Brett, did you try 1512? I bet that would have worked. 1512 <laughs> would have been obviously Star and Aaron Rodgers' jersey. Number. 
he he knew then that he was not going to play again for the Packers, uh, and it was you know uncertain where that where he was going to play. And, and interestingly enough, Rick, he went to bed that final night believing that it was going to be Tampa Bay. He thought he was yes. going to Tampa Bay. He had told his daughters when he put him to bed that night that he was going to be a Tampa Bay Buck the next day, and instead the Packers traded him to the Jets uh, because. It was the place where they felt Favre could not hurt them. In Tampa, mm-hmm. he played them twice a year, and they exactly. didn't want that to happen. And they thought Tampa's roster was good enough that Favre might win with that roster. They felt he couldn't win with the Jets, and so they sent him to New York, where they did start 8-3 and three and had a chance, and then he hurt his arm, and uh, you know the whole thing fell apart, and Favre retired again and then forced his way to his ultimate destination, which was the Minnesota Vikings, where he had one really great year, where he almost went to a Super Bowl. Uh, and then another year that confirmed to him that that he was finished. Well, he was he was a marked man in that NFC Championship game, as it turns out, and that affected New Orleans yeah. Saints, which is which is a whole other story we could talk a long time about. Ed, you and your wife Jill, of course, have two kids: your daughter Christy, your son Brian, who is a police officer; of course, your darling grandson Henry, uh, who you watched earlier this morning. I guess he was taking some tennis lessons from you, right? He was taking, yeah. He's- He's got a lot of natural talent and the best free instruction you can get out there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you, Wimbledon started, and uh, Henry likes to hit some tennis balls. And Brian and I were both tennis players, at least through the high school level on our respective teams. So uh, maybe there's some, some natural skill there we can, we can harness. But he loves to do it, and we love spending as much time as we can with Henry. And, you know, the only good thing, Rick, about uh, not working the past almost two and a half years now uh, since I was part of the ESPN layoffs is that, uh, we had bought a house in Colorado, and and to be around Henry and during his formative years, and uh, create a you know really unique relationship that would uh, last all of his life and the rest of ours. And so we've been able to succeed in that regard and spend a lot of time around uh, our family here, and 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 particularly motivated by uh, by him. And I'm not sure any four year old has ever cost his grandparents more money than Henry has cost me to this point, but I'm glad to spend it on him. <laughs> well, you have a you have a gorgeous house with a terrific view, and it is great that you can spend time with him uh, because family has been what you're about. Despite a job that has taken you around the world and 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 had you you know work many 20, 22 hour days, um, you've managed to make it the the central part of your life. And I have said this before publicly, and I'll say it again that you and Joe are two of the strongest people I know, and. Uh, what I mean by that, not just your marriage and what you represent um, to your family and the children that you've raised, but but also how, how cancer has touched uh, a lot of lives, and they've touched your life many, many times, and how you guys have dealt with it with the grace and the humility and bravery. And, and, and I think you know it's been an inspiration, I know, uh, to thousands of people who follow you, not only on ESPN, but there's been stories written about it, of course, in Sports Illustrated. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I think I think that's something that's that's worth talking about uh, for just for a second. Now, uh, of course, I knew Christy uh, when you guys lived here that one year. Our families had vacation together and all of that. But shortly after you uh, moved to Texas, Flower Mound, Texas, in '92, and you were covering the Cowboys as as we mentioned earlier in this podcast, um, it was just a few years later. Christy was in fifth grade, and then she had some symptoms, some unusual symptoms, show up. Right? Yeah, she had an, an unquenchable thirst. Um, and then would, you know, have to relieve herself. So we spent all day and all night, basically fluid intake and, uh, fluid output. And, uh, we'd been to a a number of doctors and we finally went to, you know, Jill's, Jill was tenacious about finding out what was wrong with her. Uh, 
you know, the conclusion of some doctors was that it was a psychological issue. There was no physical problem. Uh, it was psychological in that she was, this was just a, an attempt, you know, to create attention. And we're like, well, right. she's getting up all night in the middle of the night. Nobody's getting up with her. She's not getting any attention. So I, I can't imagine that that's what it is. But uh, through Jill's persistence, really, um, we, we found a neuro, or a, uh, uh, an endocrinologist who knew almost the instant we described the symptoms to her, what was wrong with her. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was eventually confirmed through an MRI that she had uh, what was known as a germinoma brain tumor. And it was located very close to her thalamus in the pituitary region of the brain, which, oh, by the way, the pituitary, you know, kind of is involved in every human function that we have. And so they radiated uh, the the treatment protocol for that. Uh, Then and now, I've been told, uh, was to radiate that. And, And so she underwent radiation and, you know, she lost her hair, which is obviously a very traumatic thing for for a young girl. Um, and you know, she had her hat taken off her head in, in school and, you know, we had to go reprimand the kid. Uh, now we'd probably be arrested for doing that. But, um, uh, so, so yeah, that was, I'll never forget, you know, the first time we walked through the portion of children's hospital that, that said neuro oncology. Um, I, I just, you know, I couldn't believe that we were in that circumstance, but, uh, she was, you know, really uh, great. You know, obviously it's, it's had a lifelong uh, impact on her. You know, she had to take human growth hormones. She, it probably, you know, limited uh, her, her growth. Um, and then uh, she seemed relatively healthy. And then when she, that's when she. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. was 12 i guess and mm-hmm. and i guess the, be- the best football story to come out of that was i mentioned that you're either a jimmy guy or you're a jerry guy well i was covering the cowboys for the dallas morning news during this time and right. i i was like i said a jimmy guy and two examples of what kind of human being you know jerry jones is and is capable of being um was christy had this thing in the hospital where she did not like her blood drawn and when you're in the hospital, they draw your blood a lot. And uh, she was very specific about how she wanted it done, who she would allow to do it. Uh, and the nursing staff was not all that accommodating about that and would sometimes just do what they wanted to. And, and it, it didn't matter whether she approved or not. So Jerry Jones sends this enormous bouquet of stargazer flowers uh, to her room. It's the, biggest, it's the biggest floral display I've still ever seen. Uh, and this was 1992. And he sends word to the hospital staff, because obviously he donates considerable funds there. The nurse comes in, the head of nursing comes in and says, Jerry Jones has left us with very specific instructions. And those are whatever Christy Werder wants, Christy Werder gets. Mm. Christy abused that privilege. It's like having, <laughs> what is it? What did they say about uh, uh, Billy Martin? He didn't have a budget, but he exceeded it. It was kind of that. Um, uh, so she, 
she took full advantage of that. And then at the end of, of that year, as, as difficult as it was for Jerry and Switzer, um, you know, that year, Jerry, in an, I, I interviewed him about uh, Barry performance in the Super Bowl year. And at the end of it, Jerry says to me, look, I don't know if this is appropriate or not. And I don't want to offend you as a journalist, but how would your little girl like to come to the Super Bowl on my plane? And wow. I made the mistake, Rick, uh, first of saying no. Uh, I had no, I, that was the only answer I could give, um, you know, thank him for his generosity, but I, I can't do that, uh, because of the appearance that would compromise me as a journalist. And he understood all that. And that's why he was reluctant to make the offer. But the big mistake I made was telling Christy, uh, because she's still never <laughs> forgiven me for the fact that she <laughs> wasn't in Arizona at that Super Bowl game. Um, so yeah. And, and unfortunately that wasn't the end of her health problems and in all likelihood, um, that, that, that incident and that treatment of it led to another problem that she had when she was 28 uh, that right. required further brain surgeries uh, because she had a brain bleed in the very same area. Um, mm-hmm. And they had to go in and ultimately remove this tumor. And uh, she had to learn how to get out of bed. She had to learn how to walk, how to read, how to eat, how to swallow, how to speak. Um, and she was in the hospital for, for a full month. And it was a, a very challenging time. Uh, for her, she had just been married for about six weeks um, to uh, um, a very nice uh, guy she met at her church named Trey. And who would have known at the time that uh, she was going to outlive Trey and uh, yeah. that their life together wouldn't last very long. Well, and, and that's, you know, uh, you, as you have said, and, and I think for people um, who, you know, every night go to bed praying, you know, for the health of their children. And, and, and we drive by hospitals all the time, uh, which you've talked about never thinking about, you know, those that, that have to actually go in there and, and go through things like this. Um, but here they were uh, about to build their life. And, uh, it turns out that her husband gets cancer. Yeah. I remember, uh, and he, and he was at her side and, you know, through all that, yeah. Um, he didn't have to, mm-hmm. he didn't, you know, but he, he could have run before they got married and when this, you know, when she started having this problem and, and he didn't. Sure. Um, and, you know, he took, he cared, he would go after work every night. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's unbelievable. No, it's, hey, it's, it's still emotional when you think about it. And it's unbelievable the devotion that, that he showed towards her. Uh, unfortunately, you, you, you lost Trey um, uh, to yeah. cancer. You were there he, with him had, during that time. He 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 uh, he he'd go watch her dog every night on the weekends when he didn't have to work. You know he'd come down and spend the night in Christie's hospital room and allow us to go home because we spent the other five nights in her hospital room. And I can remember right. sitting in the window at Children's Hospital in Dallas and and looking out. And you can see you know all the high, major highways kind of intersect right in that area. You know just hundreds of thousands of people going by these facilities every day. Yeah. And, uh, Never. You just asked that. People look yeah. over there and think about everybody who doesn't have the privilege of driving by because they don't have good health, and they're, right. they are fighting for their lives. And, uh, if you want perspective as bad as it was for us, there were plenty of other people who were far worse off, who either didn't have somebody with them or um, you know, faced you know, more dire circumstances. I, I remember when Christy was in the first time, his father was just elated that his infant daughter had, had been approved for uh, you know, a, a, an experimental uh, trial medical trial in Pittsburgh. Uh, and he was right. just over the moon that they had this chance. That's right. 
how desperate hanging, people become. Yeah, hang, and, uh, hanging on. Yeah, hanging on to any percentage they can. And fortunately, uh, Christy is is doing well today. Um, you did yeah. lose Trey, and then and then you got some some other news. Uh, recently with your wife, Jill, and I know uh, she's uh, battling breast cancer, but all the reports seem to be uh, doing well. And Jill, if anybody that knows Jill Werder, she has an unbelievable spirit and energy and presence about her, and um, and, and all signs look pretty good for her right now, correct? Yeah. she. Uh, t- I was working the Super Bowl for Westwood One, and on Saturday morning she uh, asked me to call, which usually means – uh, I've spent money I wasn't supposed to spend, and it showed up in the checkbook or something like that. <laughs> um, but she uh, she said I didn't, you know, I didn't want to tell you this. I was going to wait till you got home, um, but um, I was, you know, having some soreness under my arm, and I went and had it, you know, checked out. And um, they think I have breast cancer, and I just I, I had to tell someone. Uh, you needed to be the first person I told, uh, and I wanted to wait till you get home. Uh, from the Super Bowl, but I just couldn't wait anymore. And so um, I obviously offered to fly home immediately, and, that, and she didn't want that. And, and I didn't right. tell Westwood One, the Westwood One people who would have insisted probably that I fly home. Uh, but of I course. wanted to honor my obligation to them and, and cover the game. And Yeah, as soon as we got home, we were supposed to go on a snowmobiling trip with some a couple other uh, couples, married couples from our neighborhood. And we went, and uh, just we just couldn't get our minds off it. And I, I couldn't stand for for my vision all day for Jill to be on this still will be right in front of me and me wondering what's going through her mind. And we can't talk about it. And I can't reassure her. And, um, we're, we're fortunate that we got, you know, great medical care in Dallas and, uh, they were able to, she had a double mastectomy. She got out of the hospital the next day. Uh, cause that's what Jill does. She never stays in the hospital for more than a day. And she's gone through the, uh, chemotherapy, uh, protocol. We were fortunate in that while the cancer was worse, while it was worse than we thought going into the surgery because the number of lymph nodes involved uh, meant Mm -hmm. that when she awoke from the surgery, I was going to have to tell her that she was going to require chemotherapy and radiation. Ultimately, our doctor determined that because the cancer she has is estrogen positive and very slow growing, uh, and many many doctors aren't sure that it responds all that well to chemotherapy, that they decided to do a lighter course of chemotherapy. So they eliminate the harshest of the medications and it's the protocol only lasts uh, for four infusions instead of eight. Um, but she's, you know, she's still obviously still hard to overcome physically. You're still, you know, feel tired and fatigued and sick. And, uh, she lost her hair and, uh, she lost that on the, she began losing that on the day I was giving the graduation speech at the University of Northern Colorado, the commencement speech. Uh, so that was another traumatic event. But she's, I mean, she just handles everything so great. Uh, she's so positive. She's so uh, determined. And, and nobody did more to help Christy and Trey through their respective health crisis than, than Jill. Sure. And even now, you know, Christy lives alone. And, uh, you know, Jill goes up there and takes care of her dog a lot. She goes up there and takes her. If I'm If I'm working, she'll go up there and you know, have dinner with her three nights a week. She'll have her down to that. I mean, she plants her flowers for, her, you know, I mean, it's just incredible how committed she is. And, and yeah, we feel unfortunate that, you know, now we have to go through something like this for the third time. And it, uh, it, it does seem unfair, but at the same time, I guess I go back to the thing I told Christy when she was 12 and she said, you know, why me? And I said, maybe you've been given this burden because, 
if it would have happened to somebody else, they wouldn't have this, you know, family support that you're going to have as you go through this. And so, uh, we kind of fought everything as a family and, uh, so far, for the most part, you know, it's it's worked out in our favor with the notable exception of of losing Trey, you know, after just two years and, you know, just barely was 30 years old when he uh, was found to have stage four colon cancer. And, uh, you know, great credit to him that he he went to work every day, did his chemotherapy by himself. Uh, and, it, and it was a rigorous chemotherapy. And every time we went to MD Anderson in Houston for the scan results, he never got, not one time was there a positive outcome. It was always, well, it's grown, but it's spread just a little bit, you know, and, uh, he was, he was enormously brave and, and courageous. And I just, I can't say enough good things about him, I, but you know, having to eulogize family members is, uh, mm. is, is not a task that anyone would enjoy. And, uh, you know, sometimes we have to do it because we speak publicly and we are conditioned to write and, uh, I have something I hope I'm not to have to do again. Well, our prayers are with you and your family. And I think anybody that, uh, has a chance to, uh, to, that have uh, followed you for years and you're covering football and understand that, that while, while, you know, maintaining this incredibly high pressure job and, and, and in a very national way, a very public way, having to go through this with your family, nonetheless, uh, it's it's given you a, sort of an unwitting platform, if you will, to sort of inspire people because we know so many lives are affected by cancer in this country, and um, you know the positive outlook and 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 the way you guys have have endured and been strong. Uh, like I said, I don't know any any two stronger people than Jill and Ed Werder, and of course your your daughter Christy and son Brian have uh, have been together. Uh, in this in, in this fight as a family and so it is inspirational we do appreciate you telling your story and sharing it once again uh, for our audience and um, ed again uh, best to jill uh give her my love and uh thanks so much for doing this podcast really enjoyed the the time with you thanks rick i i've i've always had great respect for you as a journalist and, and i still do and i think you could have i think you could have worked anywhere and been an enormous success uh, not only because of your journalism skills, but because you have great people skills and people trust you uh, and confide in you. And you could have been great on TV because you have a, a remarkable personality uh, to go along with that. You're a very engaging guy. You'll you'll go down. Uh, when my life is over, you'll be one of my best friends that I've ever had. Uh, and I'm, so for that alone, I'm fortunate that I covered the 1991 Tampa Bay Bucks uh, and developed a great relationship with you and your family. And, uh, uh, so I have great respect for, for what you do as a journalist, and uh, I admire you as one of my great friends. So thanks thanks well, for giving me an audience. I'm honored honored to uh, to, to be your friend. And, and, Ed, thanks again. I appreciate those kind words. And, uh, again, best of luck to you and Joe. And we'll, uh, we'll certainly be talking as we get into uh, your new plans for uh, what happens in, in 2019 and beyond. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Rick. Take care. Really enjoyed our conversation with Ed the last two days. My thanks for the kind words, and he read them just as I had written them down for him. Hey, the All-Star game is tonight. We'll see what, if any, impact Austin Meadows has in the game. And, folks, look, you have a choice of companies for your air conditioning needs, but I'm telling you, you got to try our folks at Millionaire. They're currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 today. Just take advantage of their offer on uh, whether you need service or maintenance give them a call 727-862-2100 trust the masters of comfort millionaire steve and i will be back tomorrow for steve burstick i'm rick stroud the tampa bay times have a great day everybody